thank you for the uh, round of applause. It's the first one I've gotten in 20 years, so <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, my name is Mike Meyer. Um, I'm a family physician, and I uh, work in the area. Uh, I'm in private practice with my brother, and uh, I work out of uh, my medical staff over at Resurrection Medical Center. Um, I have the privilege today of like sharing with you on, about my faith and how it does affect my profession. Um, but before I get started about my profession, I'd like to share a little bit of, about my story of how my faith has grown over the years and why it has grown. Um, and I think the biggest instrument in my life so far, you know, that I've, um, through my childhood, has been my parents. Uh, my parents' devotion to the Catholic Church is uh, undaunting um, to me. And they've instilled in me, um, on a daily basis, certain things. And they thought that it was a very important for Jesus Christ to be a, a very big presence of every day of our lives. And they did that by, first of all, my dad giving homilies at the dinner table every day. That was one. The other one is that's obviously going to daily and Sunday Mass, which was encouraged by my parents at all times. Uh, we used to always say the Meyer Rosary every Sunday evening, uh, once a week. And also they, they did not waver as far as going to sending us to Catholic education, and that was primary school as well as high school. Uh, the interesting thing about my parents is that they, they did this time after time after again. They had, we had ten children in our family, and I was the last of the ten, uh, the baby of the family, as they might say. Um, maybe I was a baby, I'm not sure. But, um, the reality is, is that our, my childhood was, uh, we, we had a lot of fun, obviously, with having a lot of children. Um, a lot of brothers and sisters, but we also had a lot of tragedies in our life, which kind of tells my story a little bit. Um, unfortunately, my, four of my siblings were affected with cystic fibrosis. Uh, three of my sisters and then one of my brother. Um, and if you're not familiar with cystic fibrosis, um, it's basically a disease that affects the lungs and the uh, digestive tract, typically affecting the, uh, your ability to breathe and digest food and things like that. At the time when it first, uh, you know, it hasn't been around a very long time, and at the time that my siblings had it, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of treatments for it. So as we, as they struggled through their lives, we also struggled with their lives with them. And unfortunately, we lost all of them to the disease. Um, and to kind of give you an idea of how my childhood kind of went through is my first sister, who was Patty, passed away when I was five years old. Uh, my second sister passed away when I was nine years old, and that was Cindy. Uh, Marianne was the third sister uh, who passed away when I was uh, 14. Um, and kind of all the milestones of my life, first day of high school was one of my sister's passings. And so, and as my brother then passed away when I was 20 years old. Um, and to make matters even worse, uh, during that time period between my third sister and my, my brother, my mom was diagnosed with a metastatic brain tumor. And she passed away within six months of that time period. Um, so as you can see, I'm not telling this for you to feel sorry for me or to have sympathy for me. I tell you this because it's been approached to me many times in my challenges with my, my life and my faith. People come up to me and say, well, with you having all these tragedies in your life, does that make you feel a little bit more discord towards Christ or your faith? And I said, it actually did the opposite. It actually made me stronger in my faith. And I'll tell you why, because the daily activities that I experienced with my brothers and sisters and the suffering that they went through, as well as my mom, 
brought me to a place in my faith that has been the strongest uh, that I could ever instill on anybody or even think that anybody can be at. And I say that because they were at peace with themselves, they were at peace with God. And when they did pass on to the other, to the next life, um, they were at peace with the situation that was going on. And for that strength to be present in somebody going through that type of episodes, to me, is, is unbelievable and very instrumental in why I chose to go into the profession of medicine. Um, because of the daily activities that were able to make a difference in their lives, whether it was small, you know, rubbing my sister's feet, scratching my brother's back, just to make them feel a little bit better that day, was something that I wanted to push into my profession and offer that to people. So I decided to go into medicine. Well, my parents weren't necessarily happy about that because they were always hoping that I was the great hope, the tenth kid that would go into the priesthood. <laughs> so I was the last hope because the first nine didn't. And there was a lot of pressure put on me because I was single for a long time. And the obviously I didn't. Um, because I am happily married with three children. And the, the tragedy of my life actually poured into my present family, too. With I do have uh, my lovely wife, Liz, who, um, and I have three children, three living children. And I, my daughter, who is in second grade here at St. Paul, uh, my son is in kindergarten, and then my, my, I have a newborn that's five months old, um, my uh, son, John. And in between the, the two boys, uh, we, Three years ago, I lost my daughter at nine days of age uh, due to a viral illness. So for me to carry on, to have the strength to deal with that was very advantageous to have the struggles that I've had earlier in my life. And my father always told me that the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. And I, I'm a big believer in that. So as I approached my profession, um, and what the dealings that I've had with my life, I thought that I can make a big difference in people's lives. And um, one of the things that uh, we deal with on a, you know, a daily basis in, our, in medicine is we deal with people's problems. I mean, that's what we do. And it can be a very variance of things. We deal with people who have uh, medical problems like hypertension, diabetes, all the fun stuff. And then we also have people that deal with emotional problems, whether it's depression, anxiety. And then you also have people who deal with relationship problems. Um, you know, whether they're going through a divorce, whether they're breaking up with a loved one. And all these things bring in a lot of the spiritual side of religion, uh, spiritual side of what people's lives are going on in that time in their, in their life. And it's very important for you to understand that part of it and also to be able to offer them help in those situations. And obviously the biggest struggle is obviously the death of a loved one. And unfortunately, who has more experience than me in a, in a personal way as well as uh, a professional way? And I feel that in most circumstances I can supply people with that extra information that you can't get from a textbook. You can't get from somebody who uh, maybe knows how long they're going to live from a particular diagnosis. But you can get the real-life issues of the day-to-day -day struggles and how to conquer those, not necessarily the end-all of people staying alive, but the end-all being at peace with the Lord before you pass on to the next life. So 
there's a particular instance in my in my career a couple of years ago where I was caring for uh, somebody who I actually diagnosed them with uh, metastatic cancer, and it was my first uh, meeting with them to tell them that what the pathology report is and what to expect. And of course, the first question you always get from people, which is the obvious answer, Doc, how long do I have to live? Um, and if you ever wanted to be in a bad situation or a horrible situation, be on my side of the table when somebody asks that question. And I used to give kind of a more of a textbook answer, uh, meaning, um, you know, based on the diagnosis, I would say you'd have this percentage and all this, and people would look at me like, Doc, I'm not a percentage. Um, so what I, what I found over the years and with my experience is not what I do with people, is I look them in the eye and I say, first of all, I don't know when you're going to pass on to the next life. I said, no one ever knows. I said, the only person who knows is the Lord. However, uh, we will do our best to push you through every way that we can through your struggles, and we will be able to help you day by day with other obstacles you come in, in with for that particular day because it's going to be a day-to-day -day process. And what I can do, tell you is that the first thing you need to do is you need to be accept, accept your illness, okay? And what you have to do is make peace with your God. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to ask for help, for your courage and your struggle or your strength to be able to handle everything that's going to go on in the next days to come. And this particular person that I said this to, which was, um, and sometimes I'm a little wary of pushing myself over to the religious boundaries, and I don't do it with everybody, because certain times, um, whether their faiths are different or things like that, but we all know, believe in a universal truth, that there is a higher being out there that takes care of, uh, takes care of us. And me being Catholic, I think it's God and Christ that, and the Holy Spirit that are instrumental in helping us out in these times of need. So in this particular instance, I knew these people were Catholic. And I explained to him the importance of what I said. And so a few months went by, and he was sort of responding to treatment. And what the, the cancer wasn't necessarily getting worse. But what he did is he came in the office um, a few months later, and he said, Doc, he says, now I understand what you meant. I said, I am in total peace with myself. He says, I'm still going to put up the struggle to fight this disease. But I made peace with my God. I am v willing to die. And I am willing to, um, to accept what's before me. And it took him a couple months to figure that out. And his pain got a little bit better. He felt a lot better. He was always smiling. And one thing he said to me, he says, what I'm most worried about is the situation my wife is going to be in when, after I pass. And he said, make sure that when I do pass, that you will take care of her and tell her the importance of what I just told you. And you can push it on to her so that it can help her get through it. So two weeks had passed, and unfortunately he had a bad experience with the reaction to the chemotherapy, and he did pass on. And even though he had a terminal illness, it was kind of a sudden change to his status. And his wife, even though he was prepared, his wife was not prepared. And sometimes that's the hardest people to deal with, is the actual family members of the person that's dying. Um, I believe there's some type of 
when someone goes through illness and they're going through it themselves, it's a, le a little easier to make that connection between the spirit and the body than it is when you're just experiencing it from the other side. So it's very difficult for somebody to experience his pain from a somatic standpoint or a physical standpoint, and then they're not able to carry it over in their spiritual life. So his wife came into me, obviously very distraught, a few weeks after his passing. And she said to me, she said, I know that my husband was at peace, and he was very happy with the relationship he had with you. He said that that was the biggest difference in his life, at the end of his life, having someone tell him the truth about what he needed to do in order to prepare, prepare himself. And that wasn't from a medical standpoint. So it made me feel really, uh, really good inside, and I told him, or I told her, I said, but the one thing that you don't know is that he was not even concerned about his illness. He actually was more concerned about you, yourself, of being able to deal with this problem, and dealing with him going into the afterlife. And so what I told her is that I said, There's what, you, what you need to, uh, to understand is that he loved you very much, and I asked her two questions. I said, do you believe in God? And she said, yes. And I said, the next question, do you believe in the afterlife? And she also said, yes. I said, then what greater place for your husband to be today or two weeks ago is to be present in the afterlife with the person that you trust the most in your life. And he's at peace and he's happy and all his pain is taken away. And immediately she started crying, of course, but she was very happy with the sentiment of me telling her um, some of the uh, emotions that she wasn't able, uh, unable to express. Um, and another way of made me just knowing that how my profession can affect uh, my, my life can be affected by not only by my upbringing, my Catholicism, but also how I can carry on and help other people in a time of need. And not necessarily from a medical standpoint, but, but, but from a religious standpoint. Um, and I, I think as I move forward in my profession, as I've seen kind of the, um, I think the Catholic Church kind of parallels medicine in a way over the last 30 or 40 years. I think what we used to experience with um, priests and parishioners and doctors and patients is that we actually, you know, the priest and the doctor were up here and the patient and the parishioner were down here. But I think we've, we've been able to level off that playing field a little bit. And I think it's allowed us to progress more of an open, honest relationship we have with the people that are our peers, our people that we look up to, people that influence us in our lives. And I think it's created a, an opportunity for better things to happen, not only in our, uh, in our medical lives as far as illness and being our approach to illness, but also I think in our spiritual lives. And I think the Catholic Church has done a great job of of doing that, of creating that environment. And I think it's spilled over into the medical world as far as our ability to relate to patients and have a relationship with them that goes beyond just treating their disease. Um, and I will leave you with this. Um, my, uh, as I mentioned, my, my parents always told me the one thing they said is that the Lord will never give you anything you can't handle. And if you think that's ever happening, what you do is you believe in Him more because you will move mountains. And one of the things that I always liked was the, the footprints in the sand. Yes. And when you look down and when the gentleman looks up to Christ and says, I noticed that 
your footprints were gone certain times in my life, and they seemed to be the ones that were most devastating, the most troubled in my life. And the Christ looks down to him and says, that was the time I was carrying you. Thank you. How long have you been practicing as a doctor? Uh, 14 years. I just look young. <laughs> <laughs> yes? Do you find that other uh, doctors, uh, obviously other people in the medical profession, also share a faith like yours, or, or they have often a, a reputation for being small g God? You know, in terms of the medical profession. No, I don't think it's reached everybody. I think uh, that's the unfortunate thing. And, you know, one of the reasons that I chose, uh, I did my residency at Resurrection Medical Center and also did my, uh, I'm also on staff there now. I think when you deal with a religious hospital, I think it, it promotes a certain type of, uh, you know, the same type of values that you're used to as in your own religion and, and things like that. So, but I think some people, just like in any other profession, they're maybe not in it for the right reasons or other things of conflicting them. They're having their own conflicts in their life and they're not comfortable with expressing themselves in that manner. Uh, me being in family medicine, I, you know, we, we do have a little bit more discussions than a specialist would have with somebody. And I, I just feel that sometimes, uh, you know, the guidance you have with people is, you know, people don't care how much you know, they care how much you care. And I, I just kind of think that that's what the most important thing is in life. And uh, you, know, you get beyond the medicine and everything else, you still got to wake up the next day and put the same pants on that they do. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of that message is lost when you're just treating the, you know, the, the disease. Because the disease is not going away. But you still got to deal with the disease when you wake up in the morning. Do you find that other, other uh, medical professionals are receptive to, do you have opportunities to talk to them about your faith? Uh, yeah, I used to be part of this organization, uh, the Catholic Doctors. Uh, they used to do a, uh, they used to get together and talk about some of the issues that deal with end of life issues, uh, birth control, things of that sort. I kind of don't do that anymore because a lot of that stuff is, uh, first of all, I think the group disbanded uh, just because the issues become very difficult to carry out in the medical profession. Uh, a lot of people are not willing to stand up to a lot of things. So, um, you know, it, it, it's not as, I would say, instrumental as it used to be. Um, so I, it's unfortunate, but uh, I, I think we, the push is to, I, I think people need to be more adamant as far as, just like as Jeff told me to be myself tonight, I think people need to be more themselves in a professional setting than not be themselves. And I think, especially when you're talking about it's very serious issues sometimes in medicine, and personal relationships and all that kind of stuff. I think people are looking for answers, and I'm not necessarily have them all, but I at least can give them some guidance where to go. Thank you. Yes. How do you take care of yourself? What do you What do you do for fun, for recreation? Obviously, you're a very busy family man, professional. Oh, what I do? Uh, let's see. I go out and drink beer with Joe. Over here. <laughs> uh, no, I. I play a lot of sports. I, I, used, I used to play a lot of basketball, uh, competitive basketball one time. So I, I still play a lot of that, work out quite a bit. Uh, I'd like to do a lot of outdoor things, you know, skiing and stuff like that. I got small kids now, so I like to golf. 
all those things are pretty much out the window right now because I got a five month old at home and I got two young kids, so I pick and choose my battles. Um, but I think for the most part, I mean, I try to stay active, you know, with church, things like that, community type things, uh, involved in a young professionals group here in town, uh, wrote a lot of exp a lot of the fundraisers and things like that I try to support. Um, so that's kind of how I spend a lot of my time. A lot of my time spent doing medicine, though, unfortunately. Fortunately and unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and then one more thing I forgot to mention in my speech is that uh, uh, my father actually took it beyond the thing. Since some of his kids became uh, priests, he decided to become one himself. Uh, and he actually is a Catholic priest. Um, he just retired last year. Uh, but that was another influence, uh, obvious, obvious influence of how my faith has grown over the last, uh, he was a priest for 11 years, and uh, the difference that he's made in people's lives is only, I can only maybe touch a small percentage of it, and that's why uh, someone like Father John over here who can touch so many people's lives in so many different ways uh, on a daily basis and a, and a weekly basis is, is, I see that first and forward with my father. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that he was mentioned because I did forget that in my speech. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you.